joining us on the phone right now is our good buddy Richard Justice of uh, MLB.com. Richard, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Well, you got a chance to see a heck of a World Series and certainly six of those games. Uh, Number seven, maybe a little anticlimactic, but nonetheless, without the dramas, the other six, but uh, you, you couldn't have asked for anything better. Uh, from a Houston standpoint, to be able to 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 bring that World Series championship home. First of all, first question: What did that mean for that city with everything that they've been through? Well, not just because of Hurricane Harvey, the, the sports history of the city. We were the city that uh, I've been here 17 years. Uh, th- th- this was the city that blew a 32 point lead at Buffalo in the NFL playoffs. This is the city that the NFL team got up and left. You know, the, yeah. they won two championships. The Rockets won in 94 and 95, but pretty much everybody's been irrelevant since. And so I think everybody was just living with, what are they going to do to take it away from us now? And, even, you know, you said the last game was intense. There were people texting me saying, this is so nerve-wracking, I can't even watch it. Because when they were up 5-1, <laughs> to one, it felt like they were down 9-5, to five, you know. And, and really, I don't think anybody believed it until the ball settled into the first baseman's glove. And and it was just an outpouring of emotion. A.J. Hinch had a great line yesterday, you know, in the wake of the hurricane. I, I mean, I can't even tell you, you know, without getting teary about all the things the players did for the city. George Springer thought his home had been destroyed when they were on the road. Jose Altuve went to the manager and said, how long I got to play like this? How long I got to feel like this? And A.J. Hinch told him, said, you know, I don't know. I don't know, mm-hmm. but um, it, it was just a, there was just a AJ Hinch said, you know, we we're always asking a city to rally around a team. He said, but it's okay to ask a team to rally around a city too. And we we're not saying, you know, they didn't dry they didn't dry one teaspoon of flood water or anything, but they did for a couple hours each day. Gave people something great to rally around, and the team was so appealing, played with such joy. I mean that it was it was impossible not to get caught up in their little quest. Well, you know, I can imagine from a player standpoint, and remember they played that uh, obviously they played the series down in Tampa, you know. Right. And, and and you know, so players are are playing on the road when they're supposed to be home, not knowing what's going on back home. Right. And you got family members and everything, you know, are the houses all right? Are is your family okay? I mean, uh, right. you know, besides the daily grind of what's going on in the field, that's a heck of a burden to have to carry around. Yeah. A.J. Hinch said he, some friends of his, this was, he said this in Tampa, some friends of his had gotten a boat and went out and rescued a child, uh, a family. And he says they sent a, he got a, saw a photo of a, one of his friends carrying a baby. And he just got teary and said, I, I, right now I just want to be back and I, I want to carry a baby. The mayor here, Sylvester, and they thought they were going to, they played the Rangers in Tampa. And they had planned to, they thought they were going to stay down there and play the Mets. And, um, and the mayor, Sylvester Turner, Sylvester Turner and A.J. Hinch became sort of the voices of the conscience of the city. Mm-hmm. And Sylvester Turner said, no, you guys come back here and uh, we're going to consider this the, 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 the beginning of the reconstruction. And, and the, they, the, the, the guys went down to the George R. R. Brown Convention Center on Friday before playing the doubleheader against the Mets. And, and um, I walked in with them, and uh, a cop pulls me aside. A cop that I knew pulled me aside and said, be prepared. Whatever you think it is, it's worse. I walked about 10 feet, and there was a table labeled missing persons, and people were lined up. And those guys rolled up their sleeves and uh, 
delivered groceries and played with kids and and they you know they they did other animal rescue efforts and the next day there was just at the ballpark they played the Mets on a doubleheader there was an explosion of emotion they it sort of been they they were they'd lost 19 out of 30 you know they had the division wrapped up and all that they were gasping for air and uh, they got a boost out of that but then, you know a lot of it was they they acquired Verlander Correa and McCullers came off the disabled list so they got their whole team back and they could also see the finish line well, let me ask you about this team that win, wins this World Series, and that I thought A.J. Hinch was fabulous from a couple of different standpoints. He winds up managing a bullpen that really, you know, was was gassed in its own right, but then right. you but then used a couple of his starters too to bridge that gap and really to close out some games. And 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 I thought the analytics at that point got thrown out the window, if you will. Uh, to, to see what Charlie Morton did, you know, to see what Brad Peacock did in that series. I don't think you can say enough about the job A.J. Hinch did. No, he changed the way. I mean, you take you take a guy's bullpen away from him. You know, like if you'd asked me at the start of the World Series, I'd say the Astros have a better lineup and they have a better rotation. Mm-hmm. But how do you get those last six or seven outs? And so they just made it up on the fly. Verlander pitched in relief. McCullers pitched in relief. I mean, he turned Peacock into a super reliever. Right. But the analytics part of it, they signed Brad, uh, Charlie Morton when he became a free agent last winter. Um, he asked his agent, you think I'll get any offers? He'd been hurt a lot. The Astros gave him a two-year offer and said, he's got some of the best stuff in baseball. And AJ said, you know, we kept giving the ball to Charlie Morton because our people in the upstairs said, this guy's got dominant stuff. Same thing with Peacock. Uh, he, uh, I mean, Craig, this tells you like what a cr- – a crazy game it is. And at the All-Star break in 2016, playing catch with a minor leaguer named Jordan Jankowski. Yeah. That they since released. And Jordan tells him, this is how I hold my slider. Why don't you try it? And it's changed his whole career. You know, and then down on the field after the game, his father's, you know, everybody's so emotional about it. I, George Springer's father said to me, don't even look at me because I'm, I'm about to lose it. And I looked over, his mother was crying. Yeah, it just it meant so much to so many people. But, you know, when A.J. Hinch got hired, I had text messages from people that said, I can't believe they hired this clown. Right. And he'd had a bad experience in Arizona. And one of the things he learned is you've got to do a better job relating to player, players. But the guy who hired him there, Josh Burns, said to me, you've got to give this guy a chance. He goes, I screwed that up. I gave him a bad team. And, and Craig, I'm telling you, I, I've never dealt with a guy better with relating to players managing bullpen, collaborating with the, the data that he gets from the front office, and all of that. When Alex Bregman comes up, he's a year out of LSU, starts two for 30. A.J. calls him in and says, uh, listen, uh, I'm moving you from sixth in the batting order to second. And the reason I'm doing it, that reflects what I think of you and what the organization thinks of you. I mean, who does something like that? Yeah. You know, in Twitter, they're wanting to release the guy and – all that a funny follow-up to that story is early in the season, Bregman wasn't in the lineup, and he didn't. He was mad. He wanted to be in, and and uh, AJ said to him, and he could say this because he had the background. Now he said to him, "Well, I needed to get Marwin Gonzalez in there for some at bats, and so I put the names of all the infielders in a hat and drew one out." And he goes, "Oh, you drew my name out?" And he goes, "No, <laughs> I drew Correa's name out, but I put it back in there and drew another one." <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, but but yeah. you know what? When you talk about this game being crazy, 
And, and it really is. When you get to the postseason, it's, it's more of a crapshoot than it is anything else, I think, anymore right. with the way the, the playoff system is. But when you look back to that Yankee series and you're talking about you win the first two games, you score a total of four runs, you get absolutely shut down going to New York, and then you have to come back and win two at home to advance. But, but when you look at what happened with that, you, you see the top of that lineup did virtually nothing and then right. all of a sudden, George Springer winds up being your MVP of the World Series. <laughs> well, he was—he had four strikeouts in game one. Yeah. People were asking, AJ, you're going to bench the guy? What are you going to do? And he goes, my players are going to know I have their back. Now, that's what he told us. What, he, what we didn't know is he had texted George and said, basically paraphrased Jeff Van Gundy, uh, what he once told Tracy McGrady is, <laughs> this is going to be your finest hour. You know? yeah. and, uh, and, and George says, when a guy has your back like that, uh, how how can you how can you not feel great about it? You know, let me just say, for people want to know about George Springer, uh, his grandfather is George Springer Sr. His father is an attorney in Connecticut, George Springer Jr. So the player is George Springer the third. But Google his his grandfather's name. He's had a quite a lengthy obit in the Washington Post when he died about fifteen years ago. He was. He was a big time guy. He was a, he was head of the teachers union for a while in, in Washington, a Panamanian immigrant, and uh, <laughs> it's a pretty special family. They got they you know Craig. It's never gonna they can win it three more years in a row, and nothing's gonna be like the first one because it's just magic. You know you what are you gonna get out of Morton? What are you gonna get out of Peacock? You're gonna go into the World Series and you're gonna have no bullpen, and your manager's gonna fix it with duct tape and paper clips. You know right. who, who who makes this stuff up? I tell you, you know what, though, and, and, you know, we talk about it in this area between Baltimore and Washington, and that's that, you know, for all the hardships that that, that team endured, the 100 lost seasons and things of that nature, two guys, Bo Porter and also Dave Trembley, were, right. were, were there kind of setting the table, if you will, for some of these young guys who went on to have a great postseason. Yeah, and, it, you know, the thing is, when you tear it down, I remember telling Jim Leland, this is what they're going to do. This guy, Jim Crane, bought the team. He hired a guy great in the draft, Jeff Luno from the Cardinals. This is what they're going to do. They're going to tear it down. And now that's sort of what other people are doing now. But at the time, it was unheard of. And Jim Leland just kind of said, no, they're not going to do that. When you lose 10 in a row, when your TV ratings, your fans, your tickets, all that suffer, you're going to go out and sign some old guys. And they stayed the course. And, Craig, you pay a price for it. Yeah. Your TV ratings go to zero. Your ballpark is empty. People, it's not even people don't like the team. People have apathy. You know, they've only come, I think they drew 2.5 $2. million this year. They were not back. They were a 3 million attendance team when they went to the World Series in 05. And so, you know, it's a process. You you pay a price when you're going to go down this road. But Jeff Luno's first draft, he drafts Correa, saves some money there, drafts McCullers. Drafts a kid named Rio Ruiz, who traded for Gaddis, and they, they were off and running. But they also they were able to see things in others, like Colin McHugh waiver claim. He tells this pitching coach he hired Brent Strom as his pitching coach, who'd been out of ball, been working at a pet store in Albuquerque, and Brent said only a nut job like Jeff Luna would hire a nut job <laughs> like me, a guy that was willing to feet first into the analytics, the high fastball. How do you get people out? What works? You know, they told Charlie Morton says. We, we don't say, we're not telling you to throw your curveball 3% more, 5% more. We're telling you to throw your curveball. Right. And 
people probably know when McCullers finished the game out against the Yankees, finished with 24 straight curveballs. And that's what analytics is. If something works, why don't you do it more? Right. Uh, when And again, and we're talking with Richard Justice of MLB.com, uh, covered the World Series, lives in Houston, knows what this World Series title uh, means to the team, means to the city and everybody involved. Uh, the Nationals just introduced Dave Martinez as their new manager, replacing Dusty Baker. Again, one of the guys that have sat next to Joe Madden uh, for about 10 years, and I think we can all agree that Joe's probably one of the most innovative guys around. Uh, about when you think about analytics and, and, and guys that are innovative, that's what the learners and Mike Rizzo are hoping that Dave Martinez brings to this team. Uh, but again, I always say, like we say, it's a crapshoot. There's no guarantees, you know, that there's going to be anything more than a division title again next year. Well, and that's what Jeff Luno said. The goal is to get into contention. He goes, when you get the playoffs, it's a, it's a, it's a roll of the dice. He goes, you just feel like, and I think Mike Rizzo's actually said this, if you get in a position where a bad year is 85 wins and a good year is 95 wins, uh, you're going to eventually have success in the playoffs. When you go back and look at how the Astros won, I mean, they had a tough time with Boston. They only went four games, but they had to beat Sale and Kimbrell. Who does that? And in the World Series, Marvin Gonzalez hits an 0-2 fastball in the ninth inning over the center field wall against the best closer in baseball. Yep. Who does that? That ball doesn't go over the center field wall. We're the parade is probably in L.A. yesterday. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And let me ask you about Dave Roberts now. When you think about, you know, there were a couple times where he used Kenley probably a little bit more than he needed right. to, and maybe that winds up costing him in the end. Yeah, it's an organizational decision on some of those things. You know, he used Kenley in game six. I think he only threw 19 pitches. I think at this point in the season, uh, and I speak more for the Astros, they had seven or eight guys that were out of gas. And I mean, position players like Correa and Altuve were hurt. Everybody's just, I mean, you've played 180 games, 200 games when you count spring training, and uh, you're out of gas. And so you're just trying to figure it out as you go along. AJ, said, AJ Hinch said, I'm watching Charlie Morton finish the game seven. He goes, and we have a TV, big TV screen in the dugout, one of their bullpen, one of our bullpen. He said, in our bullpen, was Justin Verlander and Dallas Keuchel throwing. So we got our guy trying to finish the World Series, and I've got two Cy Young Award winners warming in the bullpen. They're both exhausted, but they're going to try to do whatever they have to do to get this thing. He goes, and that image of those two guys in the bullpen and Charlie pitching his guts out, uh, that's what I'll remember forever because you just don't, you know, everybody's doing all that they can even though, they're out of gas. <laughs> well, I got new. I, it's, it was fabulous to watch, and uh, I don't think that uh, there were not too many people, at least in this area, that were pulling for the Astros just because of everything that's happened down there. But the, sure. the ball club is just a great story. A.J. Hinch is a great story. You feel good for Justin Verlander because I think that's the move that probably put them over the top coming down the stretch and giving them the confidence yep. to say, look, if this guy's going out there – you know, we have a shot. <laughs> so. Yeah, 124 when they needed the elimination game in game six against the Yankees, 124 pitches. And there was a point where, you know, where they go down and ask about him, like after the fifth inning, 
they didn't even look at him. Like, yeah. it's yours, baby. That's right. <laughs> Whatever we do today, you're going to do it. Yeah, you, you take this ball from me, you're going to eat it. <laughs> Richard Justice, MLB.com, thanks a lot for being with us. But I do, I'm flying solo here because Stan is taking some uh, time off to take care of some family problems or issues, I should say, down in North yeah. Carolina. But the last time we had you on, I was flying solo, and I just wanted to remind everybody Boy, I've never, you know, it's, it's really fun. I didn't, Stan didn't ask that many questions, but, you know, his questions aren't really that good. But. Well, you know, that's that's just the way it is, you know. When you fly solo, you try to get the best people on, and you're certainly one of the best. And there you go. You are you are one, one of the, of the best. best interviews Stan has ever done. <laughs> Richard, thanks so much for being with us on the Batarang. All right, Richard Justice, MLB.com.